Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Sounds of the Future. I am Tom, TD3, depending on what website you're looking at me on. (laughs) Uh, I have had on my mind lately that I really wanted to talk about this uh, thing that's been going around in uh, the news about Spotify suing songwriters. This is a topic that I want to address from the standpoint of gatekeepers. That's the point. That's the topic of today. Gatekeepers in the music industry. I want to talk about how that has played out historically. And because this is a future based show, I want to talk about what I think is going to happen moving forward with gatekeepers and musicians. So that being said, let's dive into it. So recently in the news, uh, we've seen uh, the headlines that say Spotify is suing songwriters, right? Uh, So before that, um, Congress passed the Music Modernization Act. And basically what that says is songwriters will get paid uh, in the coming years an increase of 44%, I believe it was, above what they're currently getting paid for royalty rates. And this is a number, the original number, uh, pre-44% increase, is a number that's been around since the early 1900s. This is before recorded music was even like widely spread as it is today, much less digitized and put on the internet. Like the internet wasn't even a thought in anybody but Nikola Tesla's brain and recorded music was very, very basic and poor. (laughs) Um, So the Music Modernization Act was a really important piece of legislation to make sure that people got paid for their work. And then Spotify came along and appealed that decision, citing that it wouldn't be fair to everyone involved and that the pie would be split unfairly and people wouldn't make enough money and this, that, and the other. And what they were doing was actually, they claimed what they were doing was actually good for songwriters. Well, then uh, David Israelite, who is the president and CEO of the National Music Publishers Association, or the NMPA, came out and said that Spotify was suing songwriters. What they did was file an appeal, but point taken, right? So when he came out and said that, people got really pissed off, and especially songwriters, as well they should have, because whatever the language says, regardless of whether it's an actual lawsuit filed or an appeal, is indifferent. Like What really matters is they are saying songwriters shouldn't get paid as much for their work, right? So all of that to say... Spotify clearly is in a position as gatekeeper between people who make music and people who consume music. And because they know they're in that position, they are now attempting to throw their tremendous weight behind whatever it is that they want. And when they, by the way, when they filed the appeal, they didn't just try to get rid of the increase they actually were given the opportunity to put forth their own 
number, and they put forth a number that was even lower of a rate of royalty payments than the current number that they think that songwriters should be paid. They seem to have forgotten that the only reason they are in business is because other people write songs, not them. But all of us who are creators shouldn't have the audacity to be surprised because the music business in its history is littered with sharks making money and profit off of the work of others. It's what the business was founded on from the beginning. And so all of this new technology, all the streaming platforms, all of the instant access for independent artists, all of these new revenue streams, they are all new ways to undo the traditional model of the system. It's not like we're trying to get back to it being fair how it used to be. It's quite literally never been fair. It's quite literally always been artists getting taken advantage of. There are I'm not going to say that every single person on the business end of music is taking advantage of artists because they're not. There are plenty of good people out there. But historically, as a business, overall, artists have gotten the short end of the stick. So we can't really sit around and be surprised by Spotify taking their tremendous weight in the company that they've built and trying to leverage their own interests. Like, this is not news to anybody. Of course they're going to do that. They're going to try to keep as much money in their pocket as they can. As far as I know, they still have yet to turn a profit as a business. So they want every single cent they can get their hands on. But, I'm, like, they're just the new – so the Spotify playlist is the new radio station. Sure, FM's still around. Sure, uh, the big blue chip artists get played on radio. However, that doesn't really mean squat. So for those of you who aren't in the radio game and have never played the radio game, there is one company called iHeartMedia that used to be called Clear Channel that owns the lion's share of radio stations nationwide in the U.S. And iHeartRadio or iHeartMedia Excuse me, it used to be iHeartRadio, or maybe maybe iHeartRadio is a subsidiary of iHeartMedia, I don't remember, but iHeartMedia basically will dictate to all of their stations that they own what they have to play. Now, there's a little bit of leeway here and there, but pretty much every DJ who works for an iHeartMedia station is told, here are a list of songs, you have to play this song so many times per hour, this song so many times per hour, this song so many times per hour, etc. And then in the six minutes you have per hour that's not filled by ads, and these songs you play whatever you want. So DJs don't get a lot of say into what is played on these stations, which means when you call in, like who calls the radio anymore, but if you do, you're vying for six minutes or whatever the number is, the very small number per hour that they have the freedom to play what they want. And that's during peak hours. And, you know, it, after hours at 3 a.m., there are different programs on where you get to have the local uh, stuff on or you get to take requests or whatever. But during the peak hours where everybody's really listening to the radio in their car, you don't really get to make any requests, which means that Radios, radio stations, for the most part, are not driven on the interests of the consumer. They are driven by the interests of 
the record labels who are not directly paying but financially influencing the choices of the radio station. It's a whole backwards, like, palm greasing game. No, it's not outright, we'll pay you $50,000 to play the new Taylor Swift single. It is, hey, what can we do to make you play this single? So you hear of artists going number one at radio, right? You know, again, Taylor Taylor Swift's song just she just had her her sixteenth consecutive number one. Well, what does that mean? That means her song got spun more than any other songs that week. So, out of all the stations in the country, uh, whatever her latest single is, got played more times total than the next song close the next song in second place, right? And the way that happens is by a carefully orchestrated uh, plan of attack that radio stations and record labels in conjunction with them put into play so that they say, okay, this is the week we're going to push to number one and make sure the song gets played enough to go number one. It literally has nothing to do with what people want, with what the listener wants. It has nothing to do with that. I just want to make that clear. Zero. The only thing it has to do with is what the record label wants. And what the record label wants, they only get from the radio station if they make it worth their while. That's how the game is played. That's why artists go number one. So statistically speaking, number one doesn't mean anything because once a song goes number one, then enough people have heard it that they want to hear it again. And that is how you build your audience. So once a song goes number one at radio, you can just about guarantee that people who have been listening to it this whole time now have an earworm and they want to hear it again. So they're going to go to Spotify. They're going to go to Apple Music. They're going to go to iTunes and buy it. And then the song racks up streams. And then the song is a commercial verified hit. And they can prove that the consumers actually want it. Because basically what they've done is they've made the consumers want it by pushing it into their ears so many times that they can't not hear it anymore. Now, the argument can be made. And any song that is worth pushing to number one is good enough for people to want to listen to. That's not what I'm arguing here. We can go back and forth and debate on that until we're blue in the face about what constitute, constitutes a good song versus a bad song. But for whatever reason, the powers that be decide that this song is worth pushing to number one. It's good enough, right? So after a song is deemed good enough, quote, to go number one, it doesn't really matter how good the song is in the eyes of the consuming listening public. The six people who really make those decisions at B major have decided that it's going to go number one. And now it's up to them to do business in a way that will incentivize iHeartMedia and other sub, like subsidiary stations to play that song enough so that it does technically go number one. And then you can tell your listening public, hey, this song went number one, proof positive, that it's a good song, right? Because if somebody hears, oh, it's a number one song in the country, they go, oh, well, it must be good. It's the, it's perception is everything. And it's like, it's the same with movies. Like you can't tell me that studios don't influence Golden Globes and Oscars by incentivizing people for their votes. They do. So when you say Oscar winner, Leonardo DiCaprio, the general public hears Oscar winner and thinks, oh, he must be a good actor. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying that Oscar doesn't prove that. <laughs> His performance in any given piece does. So 
radios the same way. And that has worked for a very, very long time. But that's also why it has taken traditionally a lot of money to break an artist, because the gatekeepers at radio are the people who really decide whether or not a song goes number one. The label can want and pay all day, but if the less people at iHeartMedia play that song and make it go number one, that statistic upon which the perception of that artist is built is non-existent. So you have to go through the gatekeepers. Even the record labels, the big, bad record labels, have to go through the gatekeepers. And that has been traditional FM radio until Spotify. Not even until iTunes, until Spotify. Spotify came along and started really working the playlist algorithm. And then people started realizing that, oh, I don't have to have a record label. And I don't have to go through any gatekeeper to get on this playlist. The only gatekeeper I have to go through is Spotify. Or I can go another route and get on an independent playlist. And we'll get to that in a minute. But what Spotify did is they made playlisting a thing. And they made it so that other people can make playlists of content that they like. But in the process, they started only pushing their own Spotify branded playlists. So they see a playlist that's got a ton of followers, a ton of plays on it, and a ton of great songs. Well, we'll just copy that playlist and brand it Spotify. And then we'll push that to the homepage of every single person who's listening to this other one. And then you get people listening to the Spotify playlist. They stop listening to the independently curated playlist. And that person's playlist loses all of their followers. So in doing so, Spotify has consolidated all of the listenership into their own playlists, and thus they have built the 800-pound gorilla in the room that allows them to turn around and sue songwriters when they are forced, potentially, to pay more money out of their pocket. And that is how the game has always been played. Gatekeepers. Those who stand in the way of people who create, between people who create and the people who want to enjoy what they've created. So, what is the future? Well, I think that, quite frankly, further democratization of music is likely to continue. So, with Spotify, we also have Deezer and Tidal, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Play, etc., There are still a lot of other players in the streaming field outside of Spotify. And in this whole thing, Apple has made it very clear where they stand. It is on the side of the creators. They do not support Spotify's appeal, and they are very vocal about it. So because there are other options, because it's a market, people are free to stop listening to music on Spotify and only listen to music on Apple Music. And that is democratization. Now, if one company like iHeartMedia bought Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and Tidal and then controlled everything from the top, then you would have less options because you'd be be feeding the beast no matter where you went. But that's not the case. You can go to Apple Music and you can not listen on Spotify. Now, the problem currently is that record labels, the major record labels, have a deal with Spotify. And so 
you can't, if you have had a record deal or have a record deal, you can't pull your songs down. And that's really where you, if you want to kick them where it hurts, that's how you do it. You don't cancel your premium membership. You pull your music down. But if you're an independent artist, you have that ability, but you have to be bold to do it. So I think further democratization of music is going to continue because the reason going number one at radio works is because there's no physical, there's no actual like calculable data to show to the general public or show to the artist to verify what has happened outside of the number of plays. But there's no way to tell how that number of plays happened with streaming and the digitization of music. The numbers are very, very clear. And so there's no more guesswork. There's no more pulling the wool over people's eyes. As, and I, so what I think is going to happen is that as we continue, you're going to get more and more transparency of numbers, more and more transparency of listenership, more and more transparency of payment. How much money is it cost? How much money are you getting paid in return? And I think you're going to get more and more transparency for the listener and the artist to know exactly what's going on. Because the music business is built on not letting one hand see what the other hand is doing. The left hand can't see the right. But that's changing. And I think it's going to continue to change. And I think the way that happens is the is big fights with the big beasts at the top between Apple and Spotify. One's got to do the right thing. One's going to do the wrong. And then you're going to have, hopefully, the right one become the victor. And this will continue on and on, I believe, until it splits further and further. It used to be one big hub at radio. Now you've got seven big fighters in streaming. And I think it's going to continue to split out and out and out. And the people who win will be the people who merit victory, who earn it. I also think the same thing is going to happen with playlists. I personally, for my music, have used uh, a website called Playlist Push and another one called Submit Hub to get added to get my own songs added to playlists specifically on Spotify. But I have used those to get on playlists on Spotify. They're not Spotify branded playlists, but they are successful playlists <clears throat> for other curators who don't work for Spotify. And so if people continue to listen to curated playlists, not Spotify branded playlists, the democratization continues even further because the person who controls the playlist has to add songs that are compelling enough so that people want to keep listening to their playlists. And in return, you have people like me and other artists who are paying to get added to your playlist. So the people who are on playlist push, who own playlists, are getting paid for these submissions to their playlist. And in return, if they like the song, they add it. It's all, it's, it's economy. It's market 101. You create a product that people want, you should get rewarded for it. And I think that's going to keep happening as things become more and more transparent in the music business. We've already seen gatekeepers lose a ton of footing in the last decade. I think in the 10 years to come, you're going to see them lose even more. And I think it's going to become a business that is built on $100,000 careers and a million of those rather than $100 million careers. I really think that music is going to become spread even broader, even more broadly, I should say. And the long tail is really going to play out in this business in a way that it never has before in the next decade to come. So those are my thoughts for the week. Uh, I hope that you are enjoying the show. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next time.
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you like the podcast, hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you think about this episode. At Tom Dupree the Third, T O M D U P R E E I I I. Thanks.